Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, uh, we're excited because we're in the second week of a series entitled Grow Up. We have... uh we didn't spell it with the UP, we just used the arrow. And the reason for that is if you go out in our lobby and look at our mandate out there on the wall, we talk about fostering relationships. And the first one that we come to is fostering relationship with God. And that's that up arrow. We want to foster a relationship with God every day. And so what we're talking about in this series, uh, just by uh, looking at that arrow, you, hopefully you know that we're talking about spiritual maturity. We're talking about growing to become more like Christ every day. And so I want to encourage you, grab the Word of God, head over, head over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So whether it's by paper or whether it's on a device, I just want to encourage you, go ahead and flip over. I want you reading along with us this morning. We're going to hit two different passages, this one and another one in Acts. And uh, we'll get to that one toward the end of the message. But today, uh, again, we're talking about spiritual maturity because the idea is that when we come to Christ and we receive Christ as Lord and Savior, there's more to it than just being saved, right? Like there's a whole life after that. And uh, Jesus said he came to give us life and life to the fullest. And he, he didn't just mean in eternity. He meant that he has plans for us here and now. And we need to be maturing in our walk with Jesus Christ. I, uh, my wife and I met in junior high school growing up. We went to school together, and we went to school in Texas, and it was a town outside of Houston called Sugarland, and uh, it was a massive school, 5A, uh, four to like 4,500 students or whatever, and uh, periodically, they have class, uh, high school class reunions, and then you, you probably have the same thing, right? And uh, the first one that rolled around, I got called, hey, are you coming? I can't go. We live so far away that I have a friend that has to call me and let me know when they're happening. And uh, we have not made a single one of them. And I'm like, we're going to make one of these, one of these times, right? Because nobody's going to believe I'm a pastor. This will be kind of fun anyway. And so I want to go to one. But the problem is they always schedule them on the same week in his hometown days. And we can't leave over hometown days because that's our greatest opportunity to reach our community for Christ. And we just, I keep telling these buddies of mine, I'm just like, I can't, man. I just can't go. And so uh, a few years ago, we had a big one. Uh, I'm not going to tell you which one because that will age me. Just anyway, but I, we had a big one. And he called me and he said, are you going to come? And I'm like, dude, I would love to, but I can't. Fall, you know, same date, falls on hometown days. And so I called him back afterwards and I said, hey, did you go? And he was like, dude, it was sad. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, it's not what happened. He says, it's, it's what didn't happen. He's like, I went to the reunion, and after all of these years, he says, it's like nothing's changed. He said, they simply bought different clothes. They got jobs. They gained a little bit of weight. But he said, outside of that, nobody's changed. And he said, and worse than that, he says, it seems for some reason like they don't want to change. And then he said something I thought was pretty profound. He says, look, you and I, and we've been buddies since junior high school. And he goes, I hope that you and I are are such good friends. He goes, life is too precious. It's too sacred. It's too important. He says, I hope that we're good enough friends that you will challenge me to constantly keep growing. Don't let me be like that. Right? 
Uh, now, I have to tell you that I think when it comes to the church, unfortunately, I think many churches are like high school reunions. It's full of people who have stopped growing. They got to a certain place and they just stopped. And our goal in this series is that we would grow spiritually. And, and it's the spiritual growth in our life that shows us that life is not all about us. Spiritual maturity, simply put, is being discipled by somebody, reaching the world around you, and discipling them as well. And so if I'm summarizing what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and, and I want to set the tone with this because I think many of us, regardless of what our background is, I think we got the wrong impression of what it means to be a Christian. And so really, if you want to boil it down, it comes down to these three questions. I'm being discipled by who? Somebody. I'm sharing Jesus with somebody, and I'm discipling somebody. That's the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And somewhere along the lines, we got the idea that it was just supposed to be about receiving Jesus and getting fire insurance and looking forward to eternity someday, and Jesus, please come back soon, right? I'm afraid many churches are like high school reunions. We're time-stamped. We refuse to mature. We didn't grow up, and we just stayed in that same stage for the rest of our lives. And if this is the first time you're hearing this today, good. I hope my prayer all week long has been to hopefully wake a bunch of people up, that we would get serious about spiritual growth, that we would take steps, commit ourselves to become more like Christ, to be used by Christ. Because we have a mission here at Mountain View Fellowship. Years ago, God gave this church the mission to reach eastern Colorado with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the problem is, and here's the truth, and this is why this series is so important and why I desperately want you to get this. Because in order for that to happen, God has to change us. God has to change us before we can go and change the world. Do you realize that? This is the way he structured it. It's the way he set it up, is that he was going to reach the world through us. Now, this is not a new problem for the church. Like, this has always been a problem. And why? Because this is a people problem. And the church is nothing but a bunch of people, right? So anytime you have people in the church, we're going to have issues, and this is just one of the issues that we have, that we, we misunderstand what it means to be a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, and I want to show you that this wasn't a new problem. They've been dealing with it clear back to the first century because Paul actually wrote about it in 1 Corinthians. He was writing to this church, a church like many other churches, that was refusing to grow up. And this is what he had to say to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 it says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would uh, to spiritual people. What he's talking about is spiritual people, people who have been filled with the Spirit, people who are God's people who get it. He's like, I couldn't talk to you like that. He said, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. If you were here last week, these mannequins make sense to you. If you're new today, they're freaking you out. Okay, I get that. Uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. But if you were here last week, listen to me. He said, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. Do you know which hikers he's talking about? Day hiker and backpacker. That's what he's talking about. He goes on to say, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. Like, you should be doing better. You should be maturing, and you're not there yet. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. 
You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. I'm so glad this doesn't go on in churches anymore, right? Like this is a first century problem. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? I love his answer. We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. He's saying, look, um, look, I came, I planted. Apollos came after me, he watered. But it was God that did the growing. And yet, you haven't matured. Like, you, you understood the gospel, you responded to it, but that's where it stopped and you haven't grown. And church, can I just tell you, unfortunately, we've got a lot of people like that. Like they misunderstood what it meant to be a Christian. And so today I want to set that straight. I want us to, to refocus a little bit. Maybe, maybe to have a, a massive shift in our mind of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel story isn't about what you do or what you haven't done. It's about what God does in and through you. Turn over to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And we're going to get to this toward the end. But I want to go ahead and give it to you so you're headed there. Now while you're headed there, let me just recap what we talked about last week. Because I understand that there's some of you in here that weren't here last week. And like I said, these mannequins are freaking you out a little bit. And I want to make sure that we're all on the same page because uh, what we're doing here, uh, we, we struggled with this for years trying to figure out how do we explain these four stages of spiritual maturity that we see in scripture? How do we explain that in a way that people understand it, where they can identify with it? And actually, there's a fifth stage as well. It's called teleos. Um, but that one is not until we're perfected. We appear before God and we enter into heaven and we're perfected. So we don't even, we don't have a mannequin representing that one because that's not even obtainable on this earth. We're working toward that. But we see that God actually spells out four different stages or for spiritual growth in scripture, and they're represented up here by hikers. We just thought, hey, Mountain View Fellowship, let's talk about hiking, because we're, a, we're an outdoor culture here in Colorado. This will make sense, and people will understand that. And so we, we've established four different hikers in hopes of explaining spiritual maturity this way. And I want you to take a look at this, because under these uh, hikers, I just want to tell you, we have a day hiker, a backpacker, a guide, and a Sherpa. It starts clear over here on your left is the first stage. And we talk about a day hiker. A day hiker would be uh, somebody that you called from work or something and said, hey, let's go hiking. And they showed up and they're wearing like flip-flops, right? And they didn't bring water with them. And you're like, they've never hiked in their life. They're, like if a storm hit them while we're out on the trail, they're, they're going to be jacked. Like there's nothing they're going to be able to do. Uh, th- this is a day hiker. They're just coming out. They're checking things out. Uh, but maybe this represents you more. Um, a backpacker. This is somebody who actually likes to hike. They're getting into it. They're passionate about it. They're excited. Uh, they're starting to learn. They bought the right shoes, right? They're getting out. They're, they're actually planning trips. And they've got a backpack that's got stuff in it uh, now that can actually help them. Like they, they maybe have an emergency blanket or some matches. or they're, they're prepared. They can take care of themselves at least for a little while. And if they're out hiking and a storm rolls in like it does so often, right, uh, they, if they need to, they can hunker down and they can stay dry or they can, you know, last through the night. But they only have enough stuff for themselves, 
This is a backpack, uh, backpacker. Over here, oh, I'm sorry, let me go back over here real quick and just say, as a day hiker, you can tell a day hiker because they usually have matching uh, flip-flops and fanny pack, all right? Uh, if somebody shows up with that, you know it's a day hiker, right? Um, Anyway, I couldn't believe it when I saw that picture. I just had to show it to you. Anyway, all right, so uh, we have our backpacker. And then over here, I want to introduce you to what we're referring to as a guide. Uh, The guide is somebody who, they live on the trail. They've been up and down the trail quite a bit. They've learned where to go and where not to go. And not only that, but they are leading other people as well. It's part of what they do. And their backpack is full of stuff that they can take care of not only themselves, but other people. Uh, they're leading a team of five or six people, and, and if something were to happen, they can take care of them, first aid kit or whatever. They can help them and, and even get them back to camp. Um, so this is a guide. They're prepared not just for themselves, but for other people as well. And then this last stage over here is what we're referring to as a Sherpa. And if you've never heard that term before, uh, it comes out of uh, Nepal is where it originated. And it, it had to do with all of the hikers that were going up Mount Everest. And Sherpas are amazing. You never hear about them. Uh, Anyone that's ever mountain climbed will tell you that Sherpas are critical to the success of their climb. And anybody that's ever gone to Everest, you'll see pictures of them and everything else, but you won't see any pictures of Sherpas. The Sherpas are the ones that are carrying massive loads. And and if you do some research, you're going to be amazed. Just the packs that they carry on their back, it's incredible. And they're going from camp to camp. They'll they'll carry food and tents and, uh, you know, more climbing uh, supplies as well as oxygen tanks or whatever's needed. It's their job to get it up there so that the the hikers, the, the climbers, can replenish their supplies and all and make it to the next stage. But they blend into the background. You never hear about them. But like I said, anybody that's ever summited Everest will tell you if it wasn't for the Sherpas, they would have never made it to the top. Now, how does this play out when we're talking about spiritual maturity? Well, let me go back over here to your left. When we get to the um, the day hiker, if we're thinking about it in the spiritual realm of, of where we're at, that stage, we would call it a seeker. This is somebody who's just seeking truth. Like they're just stepping into it. They're just checking things out. Is God real? Is he not real? Uh, for, for many, and maybe this will be you, uh, we see this stage happen sometimes with uh, young couples. And I know it happened to my wife and I. Like uh, we were out partying, doing all of our own stuff, living for ourselves, and we had a baby, and all of a sudden we got this miracle in our hands, and we're like, oh my gosh. Like, we don't even know what we're doing with our own life, and now we've got to take care of this one. Like, we're responsible for this one, and we freaked out. We're like, we've got to find some truth. We've got to figure out what, what life is supposed to be about. And, and so we found our way into the church, and, and maybe that, that describes you. That would be a seeker, somebody who's seeking truth, trying to find out who Jesus is. Is, is this something I can build my life on or not? And uh, so the second one, the backpacker, if we're liking it to a stage in spiritual maturity, we'd say that's the believer. If you notice, we put a a reborn shirt on that that mannequin. The idea is they've received Christ. They've made the decision. Hey, Jesus is who he says he is. I'm receiving Christ and I'm being baptized and I'm starting uh, my, my journey with Jesus. And as they do that, now they're starting to fill their backpack, right? They're starting to get into the Word of God. They're starting to learn how to pray. They're getting into Bible studies and life group, and, and they're starting to grow in their faith. But it's still, in this moment, it's still inward. It's still about them trying to grow, and rightfully so. That's where they need to be in that moment. And so they're growing in their, their walk with Jesus. But then, over here, with our guides, we would refer to a guide in the spiritual realm as a worker. 
They've been up and down the trail several times. Like they've learned. They, they know what, what the, the word of God says and they know what, what God's calling them to do and they're trying to fulfill that and, and they're serving. They're just kind of plugged in because they know that's what they see in scripture. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so they're serving and then they're trying to do that. By, uh, by doing that, they're trying to help other people come to know Christ. And so they're, they're leading other people up and down the trail. And what's great about this is they're far enough along in their walk that if a storm of life hits them, they can survive and they can actually help some other people. They can guide some other people through a storm in life as well. But then we have our Sherpas. And our Sherpas, uh, if you're giving them a spiritual descriptor, I would say disciple maker. These are the people that when they talk, when they act, when they, I mean, anything they do, it just kind of, Jesus comes out of that. Like, it's incredible. If you, if you have Sherpas in your life, you know who I'm talking about. You can't help yourself. But when you're around them, you just hear and you see Jesus. It's just amazing. They just, every word they say, they, they can just say, they can give some advice. And you'll be like, man, that was just so godly, right? And these are your Sherpas. And they're just leading people to Jesus. They just keep pointing people to Jesus. And they are producing disciples. Like, they're, they're pointing people how to become more and more like Christ every day. And it almost comes natural for them because they're so in tune with God and his word. And so these are the, the four different backpackers, the four different spiritual stages that we see. And so uh, I'm hoping that you're starting to identify which one you are. Uh, so here's what I want to do. I, want us, uh, I sent you to Acts. We're going to read that here in a minute. But before we get to that, what I want to do is I want to walk through some approaches because when I, I take a look at this, sometimes we can get confused as to where we're at. But when we, we talk about certain areas of our lives and we talk about the approach from every spiritual stage, you'll see a vast difference between them. And sometimes that will help you to figure out where you're at. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you the approaches from all four of these hikers uh, to four different things. Uh, church, serving, prayer, giving. And maybe in this, this will help you identify where you're at. Let's take a look at the first one. It's church. So we're just talking about uh, coming in here, gathering as a group of believers, the worshiping together. The approach is drastically different for all of these spiritual stages. The first one, the seeker, when they come into church, it's, it's uh, prove it to me, right? Because they're not even sure. Is God real? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Is he really the son of God? Did, did they really put him in a tomb and he rose again three days later? Prove it to me. Prove to me that the Holy Spirit works. Prove to me that God knows about my daily needs, right? This is where they're at. And so church to them is more about prove it to me. Uh, backpacker is more like feed me. Like Audrey too, right? The, the plant, shop of horrors, feed me, right? Uh, and rightfully so because this is where they're at. They've just received Christ. They're excited. They're passionate about the faith and about scripture. They're just consuming it. And they've got so many questions and they're trying to grow. And so when they come into church, it's more about feed me. Now I'm just going to push the pause button just for one second. Because this is a great opportunity for me to be able to explain why it's important for us to continue to mature in our faith. Because if, like the high school reunion, as believers, we, we time stamp ourselves, right? We freeze in our spiritual maturity. We, we don't grow any more than past this point. Let's say uh, you've been walking with Christ for 20 years and you're still in the stage of a backpacker. When you approach church as feed me and we see this a lot, then church is not about what I give to Christ or what I can do for the kingdom. It's about the church, what it gives me, feed me. It becomes consumeristic. 
then what you will see is you will have Christians hopping churches all the time because they've never grown past this stage. Because it's about, well, um, I like this kind of worship. Or I like that type of teaching. This one didn't really speak to me. I wasn't being fed, right? You hear that a lot. These are people that are stuck in that stage, and they're just kind of jumping from church to church. You see one of the reasons why it's important for us to continue to grow? Because if you continue to grow and you get to the guide stage, uh, it's about growing. Like they put roots down, and they go, okay, I'm just going to grow. I'm going to grow in Christ. I'm going to become more like Christ. And they start to grow, partner with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in my life. I'm gonna, I want the Holy Spirit to convict me because I want to grow. I want to become more like Christ. So they're, they're approaching church from the standpoint of growing. Guides is where people really begin to worship, I think, and worship from the heart. Then we get to the Sherpa stage. Sherpas, it's not about me. Like, they come into church, they're excited to be here. They're excited to see you. They're excited to worship. They're excited just to be in God's presence with God's people. It's not about them. And, and it could be worship that they're, like, they couldn't even know the words of the music, and they don't care because it's God's people, and it's worshiping God. They have a whole different approach to church. Uh, what about serving? When it comes to serving, we see different approaches as well. Day hiker, when they serve, it's more about, look at me right? I'm, I'm a good person. I'm serving. I'm, look at me, right? So this is the service aspect of, of a day hiker. But when you get to a backpacker, they do it because it feels good. Like I've learned, God told me that I was supposed to serve and I serve and I found out that when I go and serve, I feel good. Like it just feels good to serve. But when we get to a guide, a guide sees it in scripture. They've studied enough scripture. They know uh, this is what we're supposed to do. Like it's part of the way God structured everything. We're supposed to serve one another and they're serving. But here's the thing. They serve out of duty, like, it's just, I just got to do it. It's what I'm supposed to do. But when you get to the Sherpa stage, and you'll see these. Somebody gets that, that Sherpa stage when they're serving everything that they do. And it doesn't matter what they do. It could be changing diapers in the nursery. They do it as an offering. They do it as though they're serving God and not man. It's almost biblical, right? But everything they do, it's like, I don't care. Just put me wherever. I'll serve. And when they do it, they have an impact because they're doing it as an offering. It's incredible. Um, what about prayer? When it comes to prayer, we see big differences as well. When you hear a day hiker pray, their prayers are more about show me, right? Again, they're seeking. And so it's, God, show me that you're real. Show me that you do care about my daily needs. Show me that you can provide. Show me that you know who I am. But when you get to a backpacker, it's bless me. God, bless my family, bless the, the work of my hands today. Would you bless this food? Would you? So it's about God's blessing in that moment. But when you get to see somebody pray who is a guide, their prayer is a little different. It starts to uh, change to, God, change me. God, do your work in me. They'll, they'll even say crazy things like, give me patience, right? Or, or um, convict me. Show me the areas of my life that are not aligned with you right now. Because they, cha- they want God to move and change them and continue to mold them. And if they keep doing that, here's what's, hap- what's crazy, is God moves them into the Sherpa stage and their prayer becomes, use me. These are the people that get up every morning before they are, their feet ever hit the floor. They're like, God, thank you for the breath of my lungs that you've given me another day. What are we going to do today? Where's the divine intersections in my life today? Is it going to be at work? Is it going to be at school? Who is it that you want me to touch today? 
to pray for. Show me somebody today that I might be able to, to be your hands and feet to. They're, they're looking for God to move in and through them. Like they're looking for it. And it's like they're constantly praying about it all day. It's just amazing. Their prayers are so drastically different between each of the stages. Then we get to giving. We uh, talk about giving. When it's a day hiker, and I remember doing this when I, I started coming to the church, and, and they would pass the offering plate, right? And we don't do that, thank goodness, right? Amen? Anything? Nobody? Okay. Oh, we'll start passing the plate. Um, but no, uh, we, they would pass the plate, and I would just take out whatever I had in my pocket, and I would drop it in. That's, that's what they got. Because that's, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. But see, when I got to the backpacker, I started learning about tithing and giving to the Lord, and all of a sudden I started doing it. But here's the honest truth. I was a reluctant giver. Okay, I know I'm supposed to, but I really don't want to, right? But by the time you get to guide, what happens is you start tithing. And you do it out of cheerful heart. Look, Lord, I know this is all yours anyway, and I'm just giving back to you. But here's, here's what's interesting. When you see a Sherpa give, it's, it's a whole different level of giving. They are generous in their giving. And we've got Sherpas in this congregation that I've seen do amazing things. I saw somebody just um, hear about somebody that needed a vehicle, and they just gave them a truck. We have this truck. We're just going to give it to you because we know you need it. Um, I know of another Sherpa that uh, he had a Martin guitar, like a classic. It was a beautiful guitar. And he heard of this brand-new worship pastor, just gotten out of college, got his first, first ministry going, right? And, and they were having this conversation. And in that moment, he went over and he got his guitar, and he just walked over and just gave it to this dude. And I was standing there going, do you know how much that is, right? And he's like, God told me to do it, and I'm doing it. That's, that's the type of giving that you see from Sherpa. It's just generous giving out of their heart because their God is a, a generous God. They are generous themselves. It's amazing. So are you starting to identify which backpacker you are? I hope so. And let me just say this real quick, okay? No shame. No shame. If, if this day hiker is you, that's okay. Well, I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything. I'm just trying to help you identify where you're at. I know that we have a lot of day hikers. We have a lot of backpackers. We have a lot of guides and we have a lot of Sherpas in this congregation. I, there's, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to help you identify where you're at because that's the first step in growing. We have to figure out where we're at so we can figure out what we need to do to take steps to grow. And so no shame in this. If that's where you're at, fantastic. We're glad you're here. We're thrilled that you're here. And we want to encourage you in your walk with Christ. So the question then becomes, if you're identifying which one you are, what's my next step? What do I, what do I need to do? Well, I think first of all, as I said before, is you need to answer these three questions. I'm being discipled by who? And I hope if I asked that question to all of you, you'd be able to answer it right now. But here's my fear, right? Is that this really hasn't been on our radar. Like we thought it was just about receiving Christ and being saved. I need a discipler? Well, yes, you need somebody discipling you. Well, I don't have one. How do I get one? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because it's pretty easy. Who is it the person that you go to if you have biblical questions? Who's the person that you seek out um, when something's going on in your life and you need some advice? Who is that person? And then here's what I would encourage you to do. Formalize it. Like, like discipleship isn't by accident. Discipleship is intentional. Jesus chose his 12. Come follow me, right? Uh, I would encourage you, formalize it. If you know somebody who, who is, is further along in their walk, 
and, and you want them to disciple you, go ask them. Oh, but I'm afraid to ask them. What if they say no? Here's my guess, right? If you've identified somebody like that, they're over here. They're a guide or a Sherpa. And here's what's awesome about guides and Sherpas. You ready for this? If you go say, hey, um, would you mind if we just got together once in a while and talked through some scripture or maybe just talked about life and you can, you know, you can help guide me a little bit? Um, could I bring you questions when I have those about my faith? Um, if you ask them those questions, you know what a guide or a Sherpa says? Absolutely. That's what they say. Because that's their life. That's what they want to do. They'd be excited. They'd be honored to have that, that question presented to them. So don't be afraid of asking somebody. Go and ask them and, and, and formalize it so that you have somebody that you can go to. And, and the great thing is if you start developing that relationship and you start meeting, um, oh my goodness, that's part of that fostering an in relationship weekly, right? You get together with uh, somebody for coffee and you just talk about what God is doing in your life. What, did, what have you learned about God this week? What has God shown you this week? What has God shown you about yourself this week? You start having those types of conversations, man, you're going to start growing spiritually. It's incredible. And then you can answer the second question. I'm sharing Jesus with, who is it that you're supposed to be reaching with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who is it that God's called you to, to reach out to? Who has he broken your heart for? And if you don't have that person yet, I want to encourage you. This is important. This is one of our, our big things here. We want you fostering an out relationship, right, with somebody who doesn't know Christ. So this is your out relationship. But I want you to get specific. Who is it? Put a name to it. And the way that we do that is um, I'm going to bring back something we did like three years ago. We haven't done it in a while. It's called One Habit. And so I want to encourage you to think of that name. I want you to put it in your calendar every day at 1 o'clock. Your alarm goes off. It makes you stop and you pray for that person for one minute every day. One o'clock, one minute for that one person. One habit. And here's what's awesome. If you don't have somebody right now, put it in your, in your uh, calendar anyway, and God will reveal to you who that is because you're praying about it. God, show me who it is. If you start asking that question and you start praying that prayer, God's going to reveal to you who he wants you to reach. He's going to put somebody right in front of you, and you're going to be like, I've known them for years, and I haven't thought about that. And then Jesus is going to start opening the doors for you to be able to share the gospel with them. This is the way it works. And here's what's amazing. You ready for this? It might be somebody you don't even like. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard this. Like, like it's somebody in your office. It's, it's that, oh, I can't stand her. She's so bitter. I just can't stand being around that. And, and then as you start praying, that, that face starts popping in. That name starts coming up. And you're like, God, I don't know about that. Somebody else needs to reach that woman. And, and pretty soon God's like, nope, that's you. That's why you're working this job in the first place. And then pretty soon here's what happens. You start praying. God breaks your heart for that person. You start seeing them the way that God sees them. And God starts speaking into your heart like, hey, I love them just as much as I love you. I died for them too. They need me. And you're the only, the only avenue of Jesus to them. It's amazing what God will do if you start really praying this one prayer. So I want to encourage you, put this in your phone and start praying every day at 1 o'clock, especially as we come up to Easter. Who is it that you're inviting to Easter with you, right? So this is a great habit to get into. And then um, hopefully, as you're sharing Jesus with somebody, you get to see them come to Christ. They receive Christ. Then, guess what? You get to get wet. 
You can bring them in here uh, for one of our, our celebration services. You get to get in the tub and you get to baptize them. And then guess what happens then? You enter into a lifelong covenant relationship of discipling them. And then you can answer that third question. Hey, I helped lead them to Jesus and now it's my responsibility to help grow them up so they don't stay in the same stage. I want to continue to encourage them and push them towards Jesus. So can you answer those three questions? If not, this is what we're going to be working on this year. I want you living this out because this is the way that God has designed it. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them, teach them everything I've taught you. It wasn't receive me and then wait for me to come back. And so I, I hope we're, we're making you think a little bit about your life and about your, your faith and how you're following Jesus. This is the life of a disciple. This is what we need to be doing. So let me encourage you on some very, very practical things that we do quite often around here. Uh, I want to encourage you about church and worship. Make it a priority. Be here on time. Come in early. Do you know we have donuts and coffee set out early? Not just at 8.30 and 10.15. You can come earlier and get those, and you can sit in the lobby, and you can talk to people. You can foster relationships. You can stick around a little bit later and hang out, right? Um, Get to know people. You can prepare your heart for worship. Come in every week ready to worship, ready to engage, ready to hear what God's going to teach. Do you realize that on our app, you can actually go and listen to the worship music for next week? So you're already listening to all those songs. So when you come in on a Sunday, you've already been worshiping to that music. It's not new to you. You've already been listening to it all week. That's another way to prepare your heart for what God wants to do in and through you. Uh, I want everyone to join a life group. Life group is, is where you get together with a smaller group of people and you really dive into the word. You, you dive into the biblical principles and, and you figure out where the rubber meets the road, right? Where, where God intersects where you work and where you go to school and your life and your marriage and everything. That's where the true transformation happens is in the life groups. If you're not in a life group, you're missing out on a big, big opportunity to grow spiritually. Uh, I want you to serve. You can get a hold of Morgan, our, our director of volunteers, and you can get plugged in. She'll help you get plugged in. Not only that, but she'll work with you to find a place. She might move you a couple different positions till you find a place. You're like, this is my jam. This is what I do. This is, I love this. I'm good at this. I can have an impact in the kingdom doing this. And when you find that place, oh man, it is so much fun. I, I want you to pray. And not just prayer. Hey, God bless the food. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to change your prayers. Pray like like the spiritual maturity level of the next one, right? Pray, pray prayers of surrender. God, this is, this is your day. You've given me another day to live, so it's your day. What do you want to do in and through me today? I promise you, if you start praying prayers like that, you're going to see God move in your life. And here's what's amazing. Um, Spiritual maturity, I used to think, was tied to time, right? Because when I was growing up in the church, I would always see these, these white-haired people walking around that were the Sherpas, right? Just amazing men and women of God. And I thought, well, that's, that's for me later. Like, that happens in time. And you know what I've learned? Is that spiritual maturity is not tied to time. It's tied to obedience, I know people who have been a Christian for two years and they're more mature in their walk with Christ than somebody walking with Christ 20 years. It's not time. It's about obedience. It's about about being obedient to Christ's calling. 
And see, let's be honest, uh, there's a lot of things that we know that God is calling us to do or change in our lives that we're like, no, not right now, right? Do you want to take some leaps and bounds in your spiritual growth? Start being obedient in the areas where you know God is already speaking into your life. Do the things that you know that you're already supposed to be doing. And then I want you to give. Give. And when I say that, I know many of you, you think money, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just give of your time. Give of your wisdom and your knowledge and, and your experiences, right? You all have something to give to the people around you. Give. That's, that's what it means to be discipled, right? So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we have on your chairs continuum cards. And uh, these spiritual growth continuum cards, uh, we want to just encourage you to take them if you want them. There's four to a pack. There's one for every hiker. So if you've identified which hiker you are, if you go, well, I'm a day hiker, then that first card's for you. And you can read through that. And there's a lot of steps that you can take to start growing in your walk. Now, if you didn't get a packet, don't worry about it. We have a bunch in the information booth. They'll be laid out here every week. There's others on some other chairs too. So uh, just make sure you grab some if you want them. But I want, you to, I want to encourage you to use these cards to help you grow in your walk with Christ. All right? Uh, and if nothing else, if you don't know what to do, if you're if just kind of tuned out on a lot of this stuff today, if nothing else, you can always meet with a pastor. We would love to help you take next steps towards Christ. That's what what we do here. And so I want to encourage you that because we want everyone here to identify where they're at. We want you to commit to take a next step. We want you to start growing because that has to happen before we're ever going to change our community in eastern Colorado. All of us, we need to be growing in our walk with Christ. Uh, Go to Acts chapter 26. You're already there, I think. But here, let me just set it up by saying this. This is a short story about Paul sharing with King Agrippa. Uh, King Agrippa is hearing Paul speak about his life, how he came to Christ. And Paul is really giving his testimony is what he's doing. And he's talking to King Agrippa and and he's telling him, hey, uh, I was on this road to Damascus and I had gotten all these papers from the temple. Like I was, I was a Jew among Jews and I hated Christians and I was going to kill Christians. That's what I was going to do. And I was on my way there and on the road to Damascus, God struck me with a bright light and he spoke to me and he's telling King Agrippa about this story. And by the way, this is all we do when we share our faith with other people, right? Is just share with them what God has done in our life. The transformation that's taken place. This is what I was like before I met Christ and this is what he's done in my life. And that's what Paul's doing, but, but this is what Paul says. He says, um, who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now, I want to stop, just push pause for a minute. Share with you something uh, I think God kind of taught me this week. I, I don't know how many times I've heard this story told. I don't know how many times I've read it. And this week, I saw it differently for the first time. I've always thought of it as, as Paul has got uh, the papers in hand. He's going, he's bent on doing ill will to the Christians. He's beaten down the faith. He's getting rid of these, the, the, the people of the way, you know. And he's on this road to Damascus, and he's persecuting the church. And when I've read this story, always in the past, and it says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting, I always went, well, of course, because he's killing Christians. That's why. But this week, it hit me that I think it was more intimate than that. It was deeper than that. I think what Jesus was doing here is not just saying, look, you're killing Christians that belong to my, my church that are, that are declaring me as Lord and Savior. It's more than that. He was saying, look, Paul, I'm meeting you on this road. Like, I'm meeting you. 
because of the way that you're living your life and you've rejected me when you know the truth by your life and the way that you're living your life, you are persecuting me. And so, Paul, I'm coming not just to keep you from killing Christians, but I'm coming to change your life. So I think it was more intimate. It was deeper than that. It was about Paul. It wasn't just about him killing Christians. It was about Paul turning his life over to Jesus. So let me just say this. If you're a day hiker in here, if you've identified yourself as a day hiker, a seeker this morning, I want you to know that Jesus goes out of his way to meet you. He desperately wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know who he is. And this is what he did with Paul. It goes on to say, Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. And and the underlying part here is my emphasis. I want you to read this and and really take this in. It says, Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Oswald Chambers said that this verse is the greatest example of the true essence of the message of a disciple of Jesus Christ in the entire New Testament. He says, this is what it's all about. This is who we are. This is our calling as believers in Jesus Christ. This is our purpose. This is our mission. Nothing else matters. This is it. I'm being discipled by, I'm reaching, uh, I'm, I'm sharing Jesus with somebody and I'm discipling somebody else. This is how Jesus set it up to reach the world. While Jesus' ministry was to die on the cross for the sins of all the world, that's exactly what he did. His mission was much bigger. He came to to provide an opportunity for all of us to be reached with the gospel. Remember, he says, I desire that no one should perish. I want everyone to know who I am. And I want them to know the Father. Now, how in the world was he going to do that when his ministry was only three years long? How how was he going to do that? Well, it was through the church. He created a movement that is the church that has lasted over 2,000 years, which eventually would spread from Jerusalem to Judea to the outer parts of the world. I mean, it would just go all around the globe. That's what's going on today, that, that believers like this are gathering for worship, for declaring who Jesus is all around the world in hopes that other people would know who Jesus is so that someday, as it says in, in Revelation, a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe and every nation, every people and every language, that they would gather together, they would sit before the, the throne and they would proclaim that salvation belongs to no other person but God and the Lamb. This is what he's doing. Can I just say it this way? And, and you might at first kick back against this, but let me just read this to you. Jesus' mission was not to reach the world, but to make disciples who reach the world. He was here for three years. And in that moment, in three years, he created a movement that's lasted over 2,000 years. And the way that that movement continues, the way the, the, the kingdom continues to grow, the, the, the way that hell is depopulated and heaven is populated is by people who declare who Jesus is and they live it out. They reach the world with the gospel and they disciple those people that they reach. This is the life of a believer. My question is, will we be like so many high school reunions 
and refuse to grow up and refuse to mature in our walk with Christ? Or are we going to accept this challenge? Are we going to identify where we're at and start to take steps, commit ourselves to growing in Christ so that he can change us and change the world around us? That's what this is all about. That's what I pray that you decide today. That you're no longer going to stay where you're at, but you're going to commit today to grow.